This is Jennifer Lyons, also known as Bud Bundy's girlfriend, Ariel, and you're listening to the Married with Children podcast. This is going to be so much fun. I feel like a kid at Christmas. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, well, get ready to open your present. Five, four, three. What's your difference? the Married with Children podcast. Uh, we're back down here in Australia again, and we've got representatives from all three Australian time zones, Western, Central, and Eastern. Heck, two of us are in daylight saving time at the moment right now, uh, which is Annabelle's least favorite time zone. Anyway, so we're reviewing the Hood, the Bud, and the Kelly, part one today. My name is Matt, and... Uh, Oh, hang on a second. Uh, I'm just getting my satellite dish installed, uh, but Crazy Ahmed overcharged me. And this is Annabelle, and perhaps now isn't the best time to mention that I'm leaving you for the William Morris Agency? Oh! <laughs> and I'm Steve, and um, believe me, this thing going to take five minutes. <laughs> Let me know when it's ready, Steve. I want to come. I'll, I'll come over to New South Wales when the border reopens, and uh, I'll come over and, wa- and watch your, your satellite dish. <laughs> yeah. So, uh, as I mentioned, uh, we are watching the Hood, the Bud, and the Kelly, which is season ten, episode fourteen, originally aired on the seventh of January, nineteen ninety-six, written by Devore Inwood. And directed by Jerry Cohen. And we've got a bit of a guest cast today. So we've got Jennifer Lyons as Ariel, Richard Mole as Gino, Perry and Ancelotti as Vito Capone, John Carlos Frey as Raphael, Lisa Arturo as Farah, Melissa D'Souza as Jacqueline, Veronica Dela Cruz as Kate. And Aussie Mayor as the fourth Bank of Chicago loan officer who is not credited. Bud's making movies for the mob. I can expect my video at 5 o'clock. I'd stake my life on it. So you read the contract. Richard Mall guest stars on a brand new Married with Children tonight. And the title of today's episode is a reference to the 1966 spaghetti western film The Good, The Bad and The Ugly, which is from, like I said, 1966, directed by Sergio Leone and starring Clint Eastwood as The Good, Lee Van Cleef as The Bad, and Ellie Wallach as The Ugly. Its screenplay was written by Age and Scapelli, Luciano Sinossi, and Leone, with additional screenplay material and dialogue provided by an uncredited Sergio Donati, based on a story by Vincenzo Nozzi, Leone. Director of photography Tonino Delicoli was responsible for the film's sweeping widescreen cinematography, and Ennio Morricone, 
composed the film's score, including its famous main theme. It's an Italian-led production with co-producers in Spain, what was then West Germany, and the United States. And yeah, so, um, Lone's a good title. And another note, so the character of Ariel um, is played by Jennifer Lyons, the niece of James Best, who you may remember from the Dukes of Hazard as Sheriff Rascal P. Coltrane. And you know there's a couple of theme songs there that Luigi can't wait to pipe in. Oh yeah, Luigi yeah, Luigi's he's gonna he's gonna have a field day doing his um chef's kiss of this one. Mr. Spaghetti Western himself. Yes. Uh, <laughs> yes. Uh, our show begins uh, with Kathy and Bud watching TV and uh, but Bud is like, attempting to use a feminine hygiene pro product. Kelly hits back with, maybe try using a masculine one, implying that Bud's as bad as Al. I hard hard to believe, to be honest. God, I love the girl in this commercial. She almost makes me want to try those feminine hygiene products. <laughs> Why don't you start with a masculine hygiene product? <laughs> like soap. <laughs> I just love the way she cartwheels up and down the beach in that bikini. Now that's bouncing. <laughs> I mean, it's, uh... That's, that's acting. <laughs> Do you notice anything else about her? Uh, yeah, the product works. No, I think, I think Bud would be a bit more on, on his hygiene than Al, you know, because he, he would do anything to try and get a woman, whereas Al would do anything to repel his wife. That's true. Uh, yeah, Bud would do anything for love, and he would do that. Sorry, meatloaf. <laughs> <laughs> Yes. Right. So that was about the deodorant, isn't it? So we know. Well, I think pretty sure Bud is the type that would use deodorant. Yeah, Bud takes better care of himself than his dad. That's kind of a given. Yes. And I noticed um, Kelly has a flower in her hair, and and she's looking pretty hot while sitting on the sofa. I did notice the flower was a nice touch in her hair, or or a wig, so to speak, because I'm pretty sure she was still wearing a wig at this point in the season. Yeah, I don't know why she has a flower in her hair because Kelly always, always has her hair down. It's only when she cut her hair short that she started. They started experimenting with you know the odd clip here or something here. I, mean, I know she's wearing a wig in this season, but they've put a flower in her hair. Maybe it's to cover up something wig related. Could be, could be. But uh, I must. I've always been a flower in her hair on a chick. I must. I must admit. Uh, yeah. I mean, well. So uh, maybe they thought. Um, Maybe Christina Applegate wanted it herself. Who knows? Who knows? Yeah, I thought it looked, I yeah. Thought it looked quite yeah. cute. Yeah, look, she looks at innocent with that. <laughs> uh, well, so Bud is watching all these commercials because he's doing research, I think, isn't he? Oh, I'm sure. Her agent is out getting her jobs while my agent is sitting here lusting after girls in commercials. Hey, I'm doing research, babe. <laughs> Oh, then won't you be needing your blow-up assistant? <laughs> Look, bud, either you start getting me better parts or I'm going to find somebody else who can, okay? Yeah, yeah, because he's, he's, <laughs> he's getting ideas, you know? I mean, because but Kelly, Ke the work isn't coming in for Kelly. Yeah, nothing to do with the girl in the, in the commercial. <laughs> <laughs> but I'm getting my ideas! Yes, you are, bud, um... But maybe she's get maybe she you know um you know be a proper agent and not just loaf around watching TV all day. Oh well, yes. Hang, and I believe there's a reference to the William Mars Agency. 
Yeah. Well, well, well Willie Morris. Morris. I, I mis- misheard <laughs> that. Uh, yes. You can't. Because Bud claims that he can't be threatened. Uh, and he says to Kelly, you think you're my only client? Uh, oh, but Kelly lets it slip that uh, she may have left him for the William Morris Agency. And the William Morris Agency, WMA, was a Hollywood-based talent agency and represented some of the best-known 20th century entertainers in film, television, and music. During its 109-year tenure, that's a pretty good run, it came to be regarded as the first great talent agency in show business. In April 2009, WMA announced it would merge with the Endeavor Talent Agency to form William Morris Endeavor. So technically still the same thing, but just merge. So you could say it's still around, but not really. Who knows? Well, Lucky does. He's left Bud for that agency. He's already signed up, yeah. Uh, perhaps now isn't the best time to mention I've left him for the William Morris Agency. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Lucky, one of his nice wise cracks. Yeah. Then you have Peg and Al come home from uh, underwear shopping. But why does Peg have to come? <laughs> it's not like she has to look at them when she washes them. She doesn't even wash the underwear. I mean, Peggy doesn't even wa- wash them. She only dries them. Ew. <laughs> Al, even though it only happens once every ten years, I don't know why you insist on dragging me along when you buy new underwear. <laughs> well, you're the one that's got to look at them when you wash them. <laughs> I don't look at them. And I don't wash them. <laughs> I just dry them. I just like how he gets them once every ten years. <laughs> Oh, God. Just, um, in real... Oh, ow. Yeah, they must be full of holes or something. Gosh. Yeah. He must, you know, he'd wear them for five years, then he'd turn them inside out. <laughs> I almost <laughs> bit my water out. Always <laughs> <laughs> oh, getting his money's worth. Back in season five in Do You Think I'm Sexy, do you remember um, Peg said she bought Al a three-pack and still has two? He hasn't even... <laughs> yeah. It was a three-pack in, in 74 and has, still has two. He hasn't even worn yet. Ah. <laughs> oh. Oh, yes, 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 yes. Uh, but they you know what they say. Things don't last like they used to, so underpants in 74 would last longer than oh. ones bought in 96, you think. Matt, you've you've got a British background. Did your mother yours to tell you make sure you got clean underpants when you went out? Uh, not really, actually. Uh, I thought it was a big thing in, in, in Britain at the t- way back in the day. Make, no. sure you, make sure you have clean underpants in case you get into an accident. <laughs> No, I mean, I never really went, um, well, unless it was a family, out of the house much uh, when I, for much of my um, boyhood, uh, aside from, like, like say, whenever someone in the class had a birthday party or whatever. I, I misspoke when I said uh, 74. It was just a couple of years ago that, that Peg bought him. But it was 1990 when she said it. So in two years, he hadn't used, he'd only used one pair. <laughs> oh, that's, uh, um, well, given what we're talking about underwear, that's actually a really bad thing, Al. Mm. This is Al Bundy we're talking about. Yeah, well, like, if he wants to get his money's worth, he, his shoe salesman's salary can't exactly buy him all the underwear in the world. <laughs> but yeah, so this is actually the one form of shopping that Peggy hates. Isn't that a shock? They've missed the start of Oprah, the opening shot of the audience. Oh, no, 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 and that's one of the best bits of the Oprah, isn't it? No! 
I get where she's coming from because if you have a show that you love so much and waited all day or all week to watch and then you get home and you just missed the start, that used to frost my Kelvinator. But having said that, the Bundys have a VCR now, don't they? Well, yeah, they're obviously because they stole Marcy back when she was with Steve. They still would have stolen that one. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, or the pop. Well, the, then again, knowing how lazy Peg is, she probably forgot to rec- program it. Yeah. Imagine Peg now with on demand. Oh, she'd be oh. in heaven. She'd be in heaven. Then I think she really would be a, a fat couch loafer. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Well, yeah. You know, not just on demand. Not on like Netflix and Stan and other st- and Hulu and Amazon and other streaming services. But you got to remember, Anna, Steve, Uber Eats, and all the other food delivery services. Yep. Think of all those, too. Oh, Heaven. wouldn't she love lockdown, too, when you think about it? Oh, yes! <laughs> oh, no, hang on. Oh, would Al still be going to the shoe store? Would they be open? No, it'd be retail. No, he'd be no. locked down with his wife. Oh, no, no, no. So, Peg, would Peggy like lockdown? I'm not sure. Oh, Al. Oh, no. we got a quarantine together. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, Steve, just quickly, have you listened to the Michael Moyer interview? Yes, finished it yesterday. Great work. Oh, thank you. Uh, yeah. Yeah, you notice in that he, he said that, um, you know, married children couldn't come back today because everybody yeah. would want it how it was then, and he likes it very much as a timestamp back then. Yeah. I mean, as much as we like to think of, you know, how the bunnies would cope with today's life, it's, it's, yeah. I, know, I know it's not going to happen, so we can just fantasize. Yeah, we do fan fiction. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Fan fiction. Um, what 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 would it be like in twenty twenty one? They'll see they all age in real time and all that. But yes, um, nice to dream though. Uh, yeah, steady me. Uh, yeah. So Peg suggests a sat- satellite dish, uh, so she can watch Oprah on East Coast or West Coast time, and wouldn't be a slave to Central time because I know in US TV Central is an hour behind uh, um, Eastern and. Notice how Peggy conveniently forgets mountain time, and uh, I think Alaska and Hawaii are in different are in time zones too. Are they Pacific time? Let me just double check that actually, because obviously Hawaii's way to the west, but Alaska isn't too far west. Alaska time zone. Just trying to think, cause I do a lot of business in the US, and I always work on three different time zones there, just for the people I work with. So it must be get really confusing. We yeah. think it's bad with two or three. <laughs> Alaska is on its own time zone. Of course. So, uh, so it's 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 an hour behind the Pacific, and Hawaii is an hour behind Alaska. Right. Oh, yeah, that makes sense. Which makes sense because they're not quite exactly parallel with the West Coast. Well, Luigi, in his notes, he said, if he's not mistaken, Central Time Schedule follows Eastern Time. So something like Jeopardy, for example, would broadcast at seven p.m. in Eastern Time. It's six and central. Something like uh, it would be shown at six p.m. In the, as in the exactly the same time in central, and West Coast broadcast would be at seven p.m. local time. Yes. Yeah, I always wonder how it works because uh, you know I watch, for example, Dancing with the Stars, something that has live voting, but what they instead of having a separate results show and have the res- the voting open for a couple of hours at least for the night. They do it in real time before the end of the show. So it's either aired at the same time or aired simultaneously on all coasts or it's aired just on the east and central coast so only a certain population can vote in real time. So I don't know if it's fair or not. 
Well, okay, so to add to that, Anna, so not quite, I don't really watch things like Dancing with the Stars, but I remember, do you remember, do you remember the Channel 9 IQ test back in, say, 2010? Yes. Okay, so I remember they published the results for everywhere but WA on the night, because WA obviously being, I think it, it was for daylight savings, so we were three hours behind, so um, they hadn't, um, they, they, it was it was basically, it was on the same time where you were, so it was on 7 o'clock in Sydney, but it was, on, it was on 7 o'clock Perth time, so that was 10 o'clock Sydney time, so they just they just published the um, other results before um, Perth got to do it. Right. I remember doing that test, and I was actually cheesed in my result, Anna, Steve. All right, yeah. I remember. I think I remember doing that myself. I was like, what the heck? How did I this do remember it. I thought, because one of my friends, it was a university dropout, uh, Lucy, if you ever listen to this, uh, not, not a sledge against you, but uh, uh, she, she got a high score to me. I'm thinking, how the heck did, was that possible? But then, but then it was, to- but then um, my dad and the two of my other good mates, uh, Doug, Nardi, if you listen to this, thank you, uh, told me that uh, those sort of tests may not be the, the best, uh, best to do a real one. And uh, another friend of mine went a bit further and said, IQ tests may not be the best way anyway. Yeah, I'd, I'd agree with that because how can you accurately test everybody if you know everybody's brain works differently? Smart, you're either street smart, book smart. You know, there's different levels of, of smart, I think, so to speak. I mean, there are a lot of stupid people out in the world, don't get me wrong. But, oh, definitely. Um, you know, but personally, don't know any stupid people. <laughs> <laughs> no, I don't know any, I don't know any totally um, stupid people either, but uh, you're quite right. Uh, that's what, um, yeah, my, uh, yes, yeah, one of my good friends who I've known since I was 14 said, um, pretty much what you said, Anna. But that's okay. Remember, there are no stupid questions, just stupid people. Yeah, I don't think a, a TV IQ test is an accurate way because I, I I remember doing that and I was frustrated at how it wasn't going fast enough or, you know, shouldn't they may be measuring not just the answers, accuracy, but also the speed of how you answer maybe, for example. And, you know, just things like that. Yeah, exactly. I got annoyed with it. <laughs> oh, well, I mean, that was 11 years ago now, so uh, I wasn't upset for long. I mean, uh, but uh, yeah, just a, just a silly test in hindsight. Uh, yes, but... So, but so Al is not convinced about the dish at first. Uh, he he, because he doesn't want Peggy to watch TV all day and all night. But hang on a second, if um considering that all Al thinks Peg does is loaf, snore, and castrate, if they get the dish, that means she'll just loaf, loaf, and loaf. Al, don't you get it? If we had a satellite dish, then I could watch Oprah on East Coast or West Coast time. And I wouldn't be a slave to this sensual time schedule. So you can fit Oprah into your busy schedule of loaf, nibble, snore. Watch, castrate husband. Loaf, loaf, snore. <laughs> I've got this written down. I've got, I've got one word missing. Try and help me work out what it is. It says loaf, nibble, snore, something. Castrate husband, loaf, loaf, snore. I missed the word. Yes. He, it sounds like he says watch, but I used to think watch. he said wash, but I'm like, watch what? Yeah. <laughs> so, it could be watch. Hang on, let me just check the, the script here. The word I have does start with a W, but I can't read the rest of it because I scribbled it so quick. <laughs> the, the, no, the scripts, the, the online transcript says watch, but that's, that's not indicative of... What it is. I'm just going to turn on the subtitles on the DVD rip and let's see what they say. All right. 
Um, because it sounds like Al's saying watch, but I'm like, watch, isn't that in, uh, implied in the loafing? Yeah, that's, well, because Peg, Peggy sets the light on the sofa when she's watching TV, so that is, that is loafing. Yeah, because I've always wondered what Al meant by that. <clears throat> it's either watch or watch, but it sounds like he's saying watch. I think everything is going to tell us that he says watch, but oh, no, the subtitles are... I think watch makes sense. And so, she lo- so she's loafing around and she nibbles, so she's eating. Then she has yeah. a sleep, so she snores. Then she watches TV. Then Al comes in, she ca- castrates her husband. Then she loafs and loafs again and then goes back to sleep. Yeah. Yeah. That yeah. makes sense. That makes sense. Ooh, you made it work. Yes, we made it work. <laughs> Al is not sold, but then he realises he has an epiphany and thinks, yes, if I get a dish, Peg will just watch TV, and that means no sex. Well, of course, of course he greased it afterwards. Uh... Let's do it, Peg. <laughs> So we then we then cut to another scene where well Bud is well examining the enormous pair of talons on this uh, blonde bird. Uh, do we do we get to hear her name? Well, we know her name is Ariel from future episodes. Um, because spoiler alert, she will be back. Oh, oh, good, good. Um, uh, I thought she looked familiar, but uh, I last watched this about oh, actually this time last year. Funnily enough, this 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 uh, these episodes. He says her name because I've got it written down here. Yeah, so do I. So I was do I. just I was just too mesmerised by like who's this blonde bird and I was like, Oh, trying to try to listen for a name. <laughs> you were distracted. I've, I've got Ariel and enormous pair of talents. That's what I've actually got written down. I've got yes. enormous pair of talents. <laughs> I've got Ariel and then I've written Oh my god, they talk. <laughs> <laughs> yes, because Bud is hypnotised by the talents and uh manages to spin his way out of um when um Ariel asks him, Why is your office in your parents' house? Well, hey, you know, <laughs> cutting it out of overheads. That's a, that's a good answer for a quick answer. And you know, Ariel, when I saw you doing cartwheels in that bikini, I said to myself, now, there's a girl with an enormous pair of talents <laughs> that could use, uh, could use better representation. Do you really think so? Oh, my God, they talk. <laughs> I mean, I mean, yeah, that's... That's why I brought you over here. You see, I think it's time you signed with a successful agent who could send your career to that next level. It's tempting. But if you're so successful, why is your office in your parents' house? I cut down on overhead. Well, hey, Bud is pretty street smart. I mean, Bud, Bud's, Bud, Bud is actually, you know, getting some more experience with um, his love life. So he actually knows, kind of knows what to do a bit more now. Yeah, and do you, um, I, I know you're distracted by this girl, but do you recognise that uh, that dress looks like it's been worn before by yes. other ladies on the show? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah, I thought, oh yeah, like, the, like that shade of blue. Yeah, I think it was in Scared Single, um, the the lady who applies for a job in the shoe store, again, an extreme close-up of uh, a pair of talents. And I, I noticed when, um, well, um, Ariel offers sex to Bud, uh, Bud actually, you know, starts reading the contract seriously, and then he takes his split second realisation, like, oh, hang on, sign. <laughs> mm. Takes him a second to realise, that's a bit slow for you, Bud. I can plough all my profits back to where they should go. Gifts for you. <laughs> <laughs> Glenn, you seem so honest and sincere. 
What do you say we set up a trial arrangement, see how things go, and seal the deal with some sex? <laughs> see, see, what I had in mind... <laughs> what? Now, are you sure you're good? Huh, baby, you're gonna know in about two minutes. You know, they start kissing, you know, getting all lovey-dovey. And then, oh, Kelly Storm's back in. Back in a classic red red with a black jacket look. Which I've quite quite, quite taken a fondness to of um, the, the, these and later days of the show. Yes, quite like, quite like those uh, the later day Kelly look with the way she has um, black over red. Yeah, she's doing that a lot this season. Yeah, I quite like it. Uh, I mean, like I said, I mean, obviously the wig's a bit weird, but the, the more it's more made more made up for me with the whole um, black over red look. Uh, but what I notice here is Kelly. Um, Bud, you are the worst agent in the entire world and state of Chicago. Uh, Chicago is not a state, Kelly. I have never set foot in the United States, and yet I can name every single state and capital city. Bud. You are the worst agent in the entire world and the state of Chicago. Uh, Kelly? How could you send me out on a Depends commercial? It's also in the world as well, Matt. Yes. <laughs> That's true. World and the state of Chicago. <laughs> I have my notes in all capitals. Chicago is not a state, Kelly. It's a state of mind. Mm, yeah, so I've heard. Plus, she said Chicago and not Chick ago. Yeah, she can actually say the city's name correctly now. <laughs> but anyway, Kelly's going to find herself a real agent. Like who? Who represents Pocahontas? She's in everything. Ah, yes. Uh, oh, well, I noticed that reference because she's, of course, referring to the then new and probably still in the cinemas at oh. Well, at least in Australia, uh, would have been at the time. It would have been on video in the US by this point. Uh, 1995 American animated musical romantic drama film from Disney. And the sixth film in the Disney Renaissance era, released on the 23rd of June, 1995. And the 33rd overall animated Disney f- um, feature film. And it's, of, it's about a fictionalised account of the, um, the Pocahontas, the Native American woman's uh, account of her historical encounter with Englishman John Smith and the Jameson settlers that arrived from the Virginia Company in, obviously, modern-day Virginia. Yeah, I remember Pocahontas. It had that colours of the wind. And just around the river bend. Can you sing with all the voices of the mountain? Can you paint with all the colours of the wind? Can Don't know what for What I dream the day might send Just around the river bend For me Yeah. I, I wasn't as big a fan of Pocahontas other Disney Renaissance films, but I would have seen it on video. I didn't see it at the cinemas, but I think I saw it on video at some point when I was a boy, because uh, I was only four when it came out. Uh, I, yeah, I saw some of the later... I saw The Lion King and some of the later Disney Renaissances in the cinema. Yeah, I think The Lion King sort of... Uh, that was the peak for me, so everything after that was is it's more of a distant memory than, say... Aladdin, or Little Mermaid, Beauty and the Beast, Aladdin, and The Lion King. Well, and also you were you were like 
I mean, obviously you were going deeper and deeper into high school during the later era because I think yeah. uh, you were getting close to the end of high school by the time Tarzan came out. <laughs> yeah. I remember going to see that one and the I had to leave because the cinema caught on fire. <laughs> it was that good. <laughs> no, well, it wasn't the screen Tarzan was in. It was the one neighbouring one and we all had to leave because it was all on. It, the neighbouring screen caught on fire. That happened to me once. It was a midsummer. There was a bushfire next door. I was oh. watching Sister Act Two. I was watching, and we all got <laughs> evacuated. And there was a big bushfire outside. We walked outside. <laughs> yeah. Do you, what? Do you know what film was playing in what that in the cinema that had the bushfire? <laughs> no, it was the outside outside the whole cinema. It was a huge bushfire across the road. Yeah, there was, was bushland behind the cinema. Oh. Well, wherever else was this? It seems weird to have Bushland right near a cinema, at least we're in Perth. Yeah, well, it was, it was, it was uh, just south of Newcastle, but um, there is Bushland between the city and, and Lake Macquarie, and there's bush. There's a hill, went up a hill. It was sort of grass fire turned to a bushfire. I remember it racing up the hill, and we all ran out. I just remember one specific lady sa- saying, um, what do we, when do we get our ticket refund? Well, everybody's clambering to get out and save themselves, and this mm. lady's saying, what about my ticket refund? <laughs> It's like, okay, Karen. <laughs> yeah. Yes, okay, Karen. Okay, Boomer. Okay, whatever. <laughs> Whereas where I had an um, incinerating f- cinema experience was nowhere near Bush Lane. It was in a suburb called Morley, less than 10 kilometers from central Perth. Uh, uh, and I think somewhere like Marion. Okay, yeah. Yes, uh, I always never forget that when I was a boy. Uh and uh, well, after the Pocahontas quip, and which which also involved uh, another shot to pens, uh, Kelly wanted a lingerie instead of depends. After that little quip, um, Ariel says, "Get some ice." Have a buzzle, Ooh, ice nice. for your black eye. Bang. <laughs> so, where were we? You were about to go to the refrigerator to get some ice. Ice? What for? Your black eye! You just, you just ruined the best two minutes of your life! Oh, poor bud. Oh. By the way, I not to be crass or anything, but could you see up her dress? No, oh, but I'll have another look. I was admiring her. I was admiring her, but um, no, I've seen this episode four times now, and I uh, did not, could not, didn't see up her dress. Okay. It's like, I, I just couldn't work out if you could see her undies or not. <laughs> Funny enough, I did look up this girl like the boys used to do to see if she had posed nude elsewhere. And I did find a lot of nude photos of her, but she had many different bodies. So I think there's many, many Photoshop versions of her out there. Right. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I couldn't really find one that was genuine, I don't think. Oh, well, the, whoever wants to can do their own research on that, that front. Yes, yes, yes. I just got the screen cap of the watch castrate husband. <laughs> well, that's what the subtitles say. I'll go. We'll go with that then. We'll, we'll go with that. Yeah, because I like Steve's reasoning for that. So, what? She, yeah, Bud yells out. You've just missed out on the best two minutes of your life. <laughs> <laughs> oh gosh, that's just embarrassing. <laughs> like father, like son. Exactly. <laughs> So, uh, we'll get the satellite dish pretty early on. Now comes home with a, um, from Crazy Ahmed's, uh, he'd rather not spend $700 on something you get from twenty three ninety five at Crazy Ahmed's, and, uh, Ahmed throws all the roasted goats you can eat. 
That's a bargain, $23.95. Craig! I was on my way to the store. I said, what am I going to spend $700 for on a thing I can get for $23.95 at Crazy Ahmed's? And Ahmed throws in all the roasted goats you can eat. <laughs> no dinner for me tonight, Peg. Yeah, like you were going to get some. <laughs> Back at you, Peg. Are you sure that's the same quality satellite as everyone else is selling? That's why they call him crazy. Well, that and because he also sells plutonium. How much is that today, Matt? Okay, well, <laughs> well while I can't, well, can calculate that, I'll just say Peg was not going to cook him dinner anyway, like she would anyway. Yeah. And $23.95 uh, becomes $41.87 and in Australian money, $56.60. So that's a pretty good deal for a dish. Bargain. I know. Hey, that was that cheap. I'd get one myself. Uh, think of... I could watch TV in Adelaide time. I could watch TV in Brisbane time. And another reason they call him crazy is because he also sells plutonium. Ooh. Oh, Is that, well. is that a, a reference to something in particular or something that was happening in the mid-90s? Well, it was too late to be Chernobyl or anything like that, but uh, it was obviously Back to the Future reference, so it could be, could be unintentional, but obviously plutonium's toxic, so some of the stuff Crazy Archimedes would sell. Yeah, just a random thing, something, something dangerous, yeah. Yes, and it's, it kind of reminds of, it, the whole cheapness reminds me of when Al bought the Kaiser air conditioner in You Better Shop Around back in Season 5. Mm-hmm. Which is one of my favourite episodes. Uh, for those who didn't listen to that one, that's the one I almost choked to death watching on when I rewatched in 2015. Brr. Oh yes, but yeah, it's it's the same quality satellite as everyone else is selling to to, to um to mitigate Peg's concern. They were a thing at the time of these satellite dishes. I know you used to be able to get them around Australia too. We might be able to tune into some South Pacific channels and all that. But with all the copyright things that have been happening over the last 20, 30 years, those sort of things are gone. But um, he did used to actually get a satellite dish and put it in and, and tune into things around the South Pacific. So you had one. Did you ever have one, Annabelle? No, I never never, never had one. No, I never had one. No, I never had one. Because we got cable TV in 97 that I, I just held, held on to then. <laughs> and, and Married Children was on cable, so I didn't really need a satellite dish. See, I had cable when I was, oh, I think it was uh, five or six, five and six. Then I didn't have it again until I was 11. And even then, when I, when I got it back, all I wanted to watch was The Simpsons. <laughs> I think with the internet coming in, I had less and less desire for such a thing. But I did sort of want one just to see what was on it or what I could get or, you know. Yeah, fair enough. Uh, but yeah, so that's a pretty good bargain. Uh, but I've I've never... Had a desire to watch Andrew Lloyd Webber's Phantom of the Opera. Oh, oh, yeah, and the peg says the installer. Do you know who's going to install it? Uh, oh, no, no, no. Um, it's going to be a DIY job. Hmm, of course. As long as the installer hooks it up in time for Andrew Lloyd Webber's Phantom of the Opera. <laughs> That's the other great news, Peg! Ahmed convinced you that even a shoe salesman can install it? <laughs> Didn't have to. It says that right here on the box. <laughs> well, I'm gonna go set up the ladder. I'm gonna set up the funeral. Yeah. 
Yes, this is one. This is actually one of my favorite episodes of season ten. And you, you, as listeners, you'll get to know why as we as we go on this episode. Uh, <laughs> so they so after they have trouble immediately with the ladder, and with less than a minute in, we have our first fall off. Al falls off the roof, ah! And then Jefferson knocks him over. Jefferson, here we go. All right, come on, come on. This is going to be so much fun. I feel like a kid at Christmas. <laughs> yeah, well, get ready to open your present. Five, four, three. Watch it, Jefferson! <laughs> Um, I've actually got written down here, cartoon time starts. We go on Looney yep. Tunes. Yes, Looney Tunes, <laughs> yeah. Three Stooges, um, yes. i also got a note here too. Do you notice the magazine Peg's reading has got Guy Package written on the front? Yes, <laughs> yes. <laughs> which is referring back a few episodes to the Guy Package with Femblock, which I only... Oh, when, what episode was that? Because I was only listening to that not long ago. Uh, user-friendly. Yeah. Season 9. Yeah. yeah. Mm. Yeah, I saw that because I was trying to look at... Now that we're seeing it on a slightly bigger screen, I was trying to read what was on this Oprah satellite guide. <laughs> but yeah, I saw a guy package. Also, you notice... Well, there's a lot of use of the dummies in this episode, but you also notice that Al has a fairly clear stuntman. Oh, yes. Yes. <laughs> he did turn around in an opportune moment at one stage, yeah. Yeah. He did. He did, yes. I, I always loved it when they use dummies in this show. <laughs> yeah, just a bit disappointed, you know, Ed O'Neill isn't <laughs> risking his own health and safety. Yeah, but if that happened, we'd have no more show, potentially. I know. Don't make me a sad panda. That makes me a sad panda. <laughs> no, no sad panda. I'll add here that this, being the person that's probably the, of the closest to the owl demographic of being married and middle-aged. This is a thing, trying to do things ourselves and having oh, yeah. the pride of not doing getting, getting a guy in to do it. So anything around the house, I try and do it myself first and I will always end up with at least one or two band-aids on myself. <laughs> so well, I don't well, go as drastic yeah. as, as, as Alan Jefferson do, but I always hurt myself. I did it, I did it only two weeks ago. I'm building a, a wall, a retaining wall out the back and within 60 seconds I cut my finger. So, <laughs> <laughs> so it's just it's just a thing. It's just a thing. You just got to have a go at yourself. At it yourself. You always think you can do it yourself. You don't need to get a guy in. You don't need to spend all those hundreds of dollars to get him to do it for you. It's uh, we can do it. Men can do it. Yeah, but, it's, it's... Uh, but women don't think we can do it, and they don't think we can get it up. <laughs> <laughs> I like the look on Peg and Marcy's face there. Yes, I do too. And I just want to say on that note, uh, I'm a bit like you, Steve. I mean, I'm not married. I'm not middle-aged. I don't have kids yet. But uh, I put together a barbecue that apparently needs two people um, to, to build all by myself last year. And uh, if I have a dripping tap, I'll fix that. Uh, but anything like more than anything like really big, like if I would have built a retaining wall, I would get someone to do that. And uh, oh gosh, oh, it was, it's gone from me now. Something related to this. Uh, Yes, uh, if, there, if there was ever going to be a crossover with an, another show, this would be a good crossover with Home Improvements this episode. Oh, yeah. <laughs> More power. Oh, who would be worse, Tim or Al? Because Tim thinks he's good, but he's not. 
Oh. Owl. I mean, Tim's got his own owl to help him, and Al's, you know, more competent, so to speak. He's actually, he actually knows what he's doing. <laughs> uh, Tim would do it, and then Al would say, oh, I don't think so, Tim. Oh, <laughs> more power. <laughs> Oops, I blew off the roof. <laughs> uh. This all reminds me of High IQ, you know, the season six episode with the handyman's work. Yeah. Five yes. Thousand. Oh, that that's the first thing that came back to me. That's one of my favourites, that. Yeah, it's classic for a reason. And especially when Jefferson comes in and says, we've actually opened the box. I mean, Al <laughs> yeah. literally says, Peg, we've opened the box. And it's something, and like you're saying, Steve, it's something my mother quotes a lot. If I, I get text messages from home, you know, if my parents have to do something or open something or unpack something, it's like, we've opened the box. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, yes. And it's not going to go on the no assembly achieved pile. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so uh, after an uh, hour, we... Um, oh, that, that just came back to me. So this whole scene reminds me of an episode of early episode of Kingswood Country where Ted takes four hours to fix a tap because he insists, I'll do it the Australian way. He refuses Bruno to fix it. <laughs> Someone should blow this tap up. <laughs> you want a hand? I can manage, I can manage. You've been there four hours, it's a ten minute job. I'm doing it properly, the Australian way. <laughs> but it's so simple. In Italy they train dogs to fix taps. <laughs> <laughs> and he gets his fingers stuck. <laughs> Yes, it just reminded me of that. And he still won't let anyone take the Kingswood. Uh, but yeah, so it takes one hour, one hour to open the box. Really, guys? <laughs> Are you that thick, Alan Jefferson? <laughs> well, <laughs> when Jefferson said that, he did drop his hammer. Yeah, and yet it took a while to get the, those five staples or something, wasn't there? The, he said yeah. something about staples. Yeah, we showed those five heavy staples not to mess <laughs> with real men. Yes, and considering that, uh, well, I mean, and when I actually get, get the stuff out of the box, the bit of the dish falls on Jefferson. No, that was my skull. <laughs> then Bud obviously hits Jefferson with the door, and Bud's concerned you actually, actually get a real job. Yeah, at first it's a bit hard to follow what Bud and Jefferson are talking about because they're being upstaged by Al in the background, or Al's yeah. stunt double, I should say. Um. But, yeah, you can sort of see them working around the audience laughter a bit. <laughs> well, we did it! We did it! <laughs> you actually installed the dish? No, we actually opened the box. You can, you can. Uh, yes, which I quite like. Uh, and, but Jefferson's got some bad advice for Bud. Yeah, create his own project. Or project. Yeah, basically our agents today basically rip off and, uh, as you said, do their own projects. So, I think he'll do an exercise video for, with, with Kelly in it. Yeah, that's a good idea. Mr. Darcy, I need some advice. Now, Kelly fired me as her agent, and if I don't get her back, I'm going to have to go out there and get a real job. This is an emergency. <laughs> Help me, my 
Look, but today's agent succeeds by ripping off what's hot. So you gotta create your own project and hire Kelly to start. Create my own project. Now that's a good idea. Well, provided that you can actually get the money. I'm gonna go to the bank right now and get a loan. Thanks so much, Mr. Darcy. Hey, if I'm one thing, I'm always there for my friends. Uh. <laughs> Cue montage. Cue song. Yes, yeah, a song we've heard before. That's right. Uh, it's very clearly For the Love of Money by the OJs, but it's a sound-alike version that we heard way back. I say way back, but at the beginning of season nine in the very first episode there. It's time for no man to take a little break in the jiggly room. I'm the DJ and I'm gonna play a little bit of music that was on this week's episode of Marry With Children. Nice um, reuse of this song, and I, I love the montage here, which starts off with uh, first bank rejected, second bank no stamp no, third bank oh l lights up no. The fourth one reminds me of the Gong Show and its closest Australian equivalent, the Red Faces segment on Hey Hey Saturday. Yes, Gong. From Hollywood, it's the Gong Show. Yes, it's the Gong Show. And here's the host and star of the show, Chuck Barrett. Now I understand the reference. I, could, I could, didn't get that when I watched it, but I understand the reference now. But yeah, I thought I immediately thought of red faces when I saw that, and obviously for Americans, the Gong Show. Uh, I mentioned before, I used to love watching. Well, hey, it's Saturday, but the main thing—I was only eight when it ended, so the main things I remember were Plucker Duck and Red Faces. Yeah, yeah. Gong aim red. Yes, I, I love. They, they, they didn't used to hook them off though on on uh, hey hey. <laughs> no. <laughs> <laughs> but I always loved how red would always give everyone ones or twos. <laughs> Unless they were genuinely good. Oh, have a one. Have a one. Have a zero. If they're good, you might get a five. Oh, that's generous from Red. Redmond. Actually, David Faustino was on Red Faces once. He was. That's on right. He was, yeah. yeah. He was on doing some of his rap stuff. Or talking about his rap stuff, yeah. yeah. And Dan Dantos Jr. was in another episode singing Old Man River. Yes, very good. Look that up if you haven't seen it. Yeah, he does a great job on the song, everyone. Hmm. He's, yeah, he's got a lovely deep voice. Perfect for that song. Old man river, old man river, he must know something. 
there's one more bank, the last bank of Chicago. So this, there could be more banks between four and five. Uh, there are more than five banks here in Perth. So let's see if there's more than five in Chicago. Well, possibly. But yeah, I like that it's the last bank of Chicago. But the the bank uh, man there is um, our good friend, stuntman Frank Lloyd. That's right. He shows up a lot this season and has it like he has throughout the show. But we, we didn't actually see Bud go to the Kyoto Bank, did we? No. No. Well, let, we can probably assume he'll be banned from there for reasons that <laughs> will be revealed later. Yeah, yeah, that's what I assumed. And the last bank, which I'm assuming is, is, is at least the fifth bank, is an ejector seat. Something right of the James <laughs> Bond movies. <laughs> They're measuring the roof. <laughs> okay, Al, I've got the end of the tape. Now, how far to the edge? Four feet, five feet, six feet! <laughs> and Al's falling off the roof again. So, uh, yeah, um, Bud didn't really um, succeed uh, uh, and, until he watches something on TV. Yeah, so, first of all, Marcy has faxed all of the banks in Chicago. I can't believe it. Every single bank in Chicago turned me down. So my faxes got through. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, assuming there's at least five of them. So she's gone out of her way to make the Bundy suffer even more. Good on you, Marcy. And then, yeah, I like Bud coming home, turning on the TV... And the show he seems to be watching before we see Al getting electrocuted, it appears to be the Donna Reed show, am I, am I right? It looks like, I couldn't tell what 50, 50 show it was. I thought, I was like, is, that, is that even the Beaver? Is that Father Knows Best? I couldn't tell because I know my TV pretty well, but I'm not that familiar with 50 shows. In fact, years ago, my dad said to me, Matt, I draw the line anything made in black and white. We are not watching Leave the Beaver together. <laughs> yeah, when I first saw it, I thought it was Ellie May from Beverly Hillbillies, but I don't think it was. So I think uh, Anna might have it right. Well, it just looked like Donna Reed's hairstyle. Yeah. So, yeah. And it's just, you know, the opposite of Married to Children kind of thing. So. <laughs> yes, and I love Al's enhancement. He's like being fried with the, and with the electricity. <laughs> but yes, gold moment. Uh, yeah, so... Uh, <laughs> but, so after after that, Buzz did something else on the TV... Uh, so, we go to a commercial, and it's Vito Capone. I'm a bit sus already. And now, a word from our sponsor. I'm Vito Capone. No relation. <laughs> if you're a worthless bum who's been turned down by every bank in town, then catch the bus. Or have your mommy drive you down to Moneyland. We turn down no one. So, come on by. We're conveniently located in the trunk of my car. <laughs> So call 1-800-HORSE-HEAD. No relation. Uh-oh. No relation. Yeah, sure. Yeah, that's, that's a big crock I've heard. Moneyland, they turned down no one. Call 1-800-HORSE-HEAD. Oh, that's the best. <laughs> yeah. Luigi did, did these notes. He said, oh, that's not stereotypical Italian. I'll be sarcastic. I wonder if The Godfather is one of Luigi's favourite films. I have to ask him. I need to ask him. I'm sure he's seen it. Oh, no doubt, but yeah, I, I, he, he could either love it or he could hate it. Mm-hmm. But yes, I, w- I, w- I would not resort to Moneyland myself because 
It's just the vibe. I'm sorry. I'm not calling the mafia. <laughs> oh, okay. <laughs> uh, yeah, I like the phone number and the horse head reference. I mean, if you don't know that reference, please watch The Godfather. But I'll tell you, the scream at that horse head was done much better by Lisa Simpson when she found a horse head in her bed. It turned out to be her pony, but yes. she did a much better scream. <laughs> That was season three of The Simpsons, Lisa's Pony, uh, one of the very early ones and a good one to watch, that's for sure. Um, yeah, so um, I'm sure most of you have seen that episode of The Simpsons, but if you haven't, there you go. Yeah, amazing screen. Kelly's got some news for Bud. Like so many women, she's found someone better. Well, Bud, like so many women have told you before, I have found somebody better. <laughs> I'm signing with a new agent. He represents the Bay City Rollers, Millie Vanilli, the entire Butterfuco family, except Joey. Oh, that's too bad, Kel. Just when I needed someone to be in my new workout video that I'm producing and directing. Who, oh, who will I ever get to star in it? Oh, oh, me, 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 me. Oh, but dash it all, I don't represent you anymore. <laughs> I could resign. Mm. A new agent. <laughs> he represents the Bay City Rollers, Millie Vanilli, and the entire Budafucho family. Except Joey. Yeah. Uh, yeah, another Millie Vanilli re- <laughs> reference. <laughs> and this is after they had been exposed as a... As a um, uh, what's the word? Fake. Yes, uh... So, the uh, Butterfucho family, uh, the Long Island Lolita case has already been previously covered on the podcast. The Bay City Rollers, they're a a Scottish pop rock band known for their worldwide teen idol popularity in the mid-1970s in the UK, Ireland, Australia, New Zealand, and uh, even in the US. Uh, They were called the Tartan Teen Sensations of Edinburgh. And the first of many hacks heralded as the biggest group since the Beatles, which, amongst school-age school age girls at the time, they were. Being a high school kid in 1975, I can vouch for that. The girls went nuts. <laughs> How nuts <laughs> are you talking, abs- Steve? I'm talking, I'm talking Beatles nuts. Oh. It was ridiculous, especially when they came, because they used to come out here a couple of times. I do have a couple of old Countdown episodes that they host. And they had to basically lock the kids out with, with cages and stuff like that. It was just mental. It only lasted for about two years. And Because um, yeah. I know the, the B-City Rollers pretty well. So let me try and think now. Alan, Derek, Woody, Les, um, Eric. I've got it. So they were the, the five guys. So, yeah, but then uh, the funny thing was, after two years, Alan... Uh, retired at the age of 26 <laughs> and he got replaced by somebody else it was just that sort of thing where it was a, a, appeal to the young girls and uh, yeah. just those looks and all that Just for a couple, they were just the thing for a couple of years so after a couple of years it moved on then it went to um, I think who come after that uh, Leif Garrett and Sean Cassidy I think oh, yeah. <laughs> and it went down that path it was just they were the flavour of the month for about oh, I'd say about two years Oh yeah. yeah, still some good stuff. I mean, I've got their greatest hits and some good stuff there, but yeah, mm-hmm. they're quite massive. But they were reasonably big in, I know in Japan and definitely a little bit in America. They're not as massive as they were here in the UK. Yeah. 
Yeah, I knew they were big here, and I so much so that I used to think they were an Australian band when I was younger. Then I realized, oh, okay, they're actually from the UK. Sure. But yeah, totally get it, because, yeah, flash in the pan for a couple of years, and then I move on, but they had some hits. They did, they did. But yes, uh, we, I mean, um, not the sort of band that Kelly would have liked, considering that she was only, like, four or five when they were big. And uh, Millie Vanilli, have we covered them on the podcast before? We have in one of our episodes, Matt. But, y- you know, Millie Vanilli, uh, I think back in season eight when we did Honey, I Blew Up Myself. Yes. And Je- Jefferson's told that he's got the best set of cheekbones this side of Rob and Fab from Millie Vanilli. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but they were a German R&B duo from Munich. And they were founded in 1988 as Rob and Fab, as I said. One of them has uh, since passed away. Uh, but... They got a Grammy in 1990, and they became so popular, and a lot of success and everything. <laughs> then their success turned to infamy, when their agent confessed that Rob and Fab did not sing any of the vocals heard on any of their releases. All so they had nine. to give back their Grammy for Best New Artist. They were just unlucky to be found out, because that's happened so many times over the years. Oh, yeah, they're not unique to that. They're just... No. And it'd be hard to get caught now. It'd be easy to get caught now, I mean. It's my, my, my bad. Uh, yes, yeah, what was with Scramble there. But, yeah, so Kelly's got a new agent. Uh, yeah. Yeah. Not for so, long. Not for, <laughs> no, not, not for long at all. Uh, uh, because, uh, yeah, Bud actually gets the funding from Moneyland and... Uh, yeah, they got, they're going to actually film, film a workout video with Gary's aerobic studio, which is a nice continuity from episode two of this season. Yeah, and, and episode six. Yes, episode six. And we go to the hot birds in the aerobic studio. Oh, yeah. I like this already. Mwah. Thanks for the gift, Mr. Bundy. No one's ever given me panties filled with potpourri before. <laughs> Where'd you find them? In the laundry department. Oh, not the panties, you idiots. <laughs> the girls. Hey, they found me. When word got out that there was a Bud Bundy Moneyland co-production, they just came and run it. Yeah, but uh, I'm still the star, right? Will your agent lie to you? Hello, Mr. Director. I'm ready for my video. <laughs> Fair enough. And uh, well, Kelly's looking fine in black and obviously a gold cape. I like this look as well. Bud, what is with the fake hair? <laughs> it's bad. Oh, that hair. Seriously, what were you thinking? He's thinking he looks like a director. Not all directors look like that, Budrick. <laughs> Did Spielberg used to have longish hair? Not that long, of obviously, but like long hair enough to poke through a baseball cap. I can't remember. Might not be Spielberg. Well, definitely some other director. And Kelly yeah. is not the star. Raphael, who has a uh, Hispanic accent, not Irish. <laughs> what is he talking about? You did an excellent job casting women who will look longingly at my buttocks as I stretch and bend. <laughs> Excuse us, Uno Pimento. <laughs> Who's the Irish guy? Huh? You mean Raphael? Uh-huh. He's a—he's another background dancer. Kelly, I just got him so he could appeal to the women. Really? 
Would your director lie to you? Who's the Irish guy? Ireland is nowhere near um, Central and Southern America. But she, she, she catches on because she says Uno Pimento. Instead of <laughs> Uno, Uno Memento. Memento. <laughs> in, one of, in one of her Kelly Bunkerisms, as I call them. <laughs> and, and, and I love how Bud accuses Kelly of not being an actual blonde. <laughs> well, she did say back in season three that she, um, she and Peg didn't know what the original colours of their hair. That's true. That's a good point. Yes, because in, in, in back in seasons one, two, and to an extent three, Kelly's hair is really bleached. Yeah, it is mentioned. Peroxide is mentioned in season one at some stage, isn't it? I'm just trying to think. Yes, um, possibly thinking of uh, whose rumours are anyway when Al says, I'll, or Kelly says, I'll still bleach before I give up my blondness, and because like Al asked her to cut down on her expenditures. And Johnny be gone when she at the end of season one, when she said she's bleached and dyed and pierced to create this image. Yeah, very white hair back then. Yes, very white. I liked her more natural blonde from like season four onwards. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> then, then we get then we get all this. Oh, Ke- Ke- oh, Kelly's called garbage. Uh, Bud is lying. Like there's no tomorrow. Uh, Kelly's collateral. Oh no, gosh, this is just. Uh, yeah, well, he has to finish the film by five o'clock, uh, <laughs> and uh, well, I mean, Capone is not pleased, at, but he sends in enforcement in the form of Gino. Bud! Ah, Mr. Capone. <laughs> nice. And uh, this is my sister Kelly, uh-huh. the collateral we spoke of. <laughs> And that there is Raphael. You did a good job, bud. If all goes well, this video will make us a lot of money. Yeah, you think so? Would a guy who holds your life in his hands lie to you? <laughs> good point. So, I can expect my video at 5 o'clock. I was going to say, how would you sign up to a deal where you have to have the project finished by 5 o'clock or you get slaughtered? Well, <laughs> it looks like he just wants the thing filmed, not necessarily edited. <laughs> But yeah, so uh, Gino I recognised instantly because um, if you've seen Night Court, so you'd, you'd remember a certain Charles Richard Mole, or Richard Mole, uh, born January 13th, 1943, American actor and voice artist, best known for playing Aristotle, Nostradamus, or Bull, Shannon, the bailiff on Night Court between 1984 and 1992. He was also in the Flintstones movie, and he's also done extensive work as a voice actor, using his deep voice to portray evil characters in animation and video games. In 1983, just before Night Court began production, he shaved his hair for the role of Hurok in the science fiction B-film Metal Storm, The Destruction of Jared Sin. The producers of the Night Court liked the look so much, as like, hey, keep the look, we will hire you. And he kept the look for the entire run of the series. And he's also known for being six foot eight. So it's half a foot taller than me and almost a foot and a half taller than Bud. A hundred would be average intelligence, right? Then might we safely assume that we all have a score over 100? <laughs> <laughs> what, my turn to ask? Okay, does anyone have a score higher than 200? Well, that's impossible. You see, a score of 140 is a genius. Really? Then what would 181 be? 
Paul, now, are you sure you're reading that thing right? Oh. Whoops, it's upside down. <laughs> this way, it's 181. <laughs> Give me that. 181. Uh, Chiquita, this must be his hat size. No. The man just has immeasurable cognitive powers. Yeah, well, I eat a lot of oysters. <laughs> yeah, literally. Six foot eight to five foot three. So he always stands out whenever you see him. Yeah. He got a good reception when he came on. I didn't recognize him, but I certainly knew his voice. <clears throat> yeah, I I knew who he was by name because I knew him from Night Court, a show I'm not that familiar with, but I've certainly seen it. And I assumed that's why he got the reception he did. Uh, I remember when I first saw this episode with my mother, she said, oh, is he famous or is it just because he's really tall? <laughs> and um, in the notes here, Luigi wondered if uh, perhaps it's because he's another reason or part of the reason is he's also appearing here with a lot of hair, whereas used to being known as a bold character on television, here he's got quite a... I think part of the joke is that he's got a lot of hair, and the volume of the audience cheers might reflect that, but I think it's, they just recognise him from Night Court. But This is only four years after Night Court ended. I've actually seen every, every, every episode of Night Court when it was on 7-2 here in the early 2010s. Wow, I missed that. Yeah, it was on it. Yeah, because they had growing pains in late twenty ten, early twenty eleven. Then they replaced it with Night Court, and uh, yeah, so well, that's an improvement. <laughs> yes. Yeah, so uh, yeah, I watched. I enjoyed Night Court. It, it got it, the the final the final episode was really weak, uh, and the, the last episodes were pretty weak. But it was pretty good, especially in the middle of its run, and uh, especially when Dan Fielding really broke out. And uh, yeah, it was a very nice function functioning show, and. Uh, yeah, the, obviously Judge Harry was in um, Cheers as well. Harry the Hat, the late, the late great Harry Anderson. Yeah, he passed away just recently, didn't he? Only three years ago. Yeah. Oh, that long. Okay. <laughs> but I, I was really shocked because he, he was only 65. Yeah. Yeah. What? Don't worry. Yeah. They'll come around. You know how temperamental actors are. It may be a week, maybe, maybe a month. You have until five. <laughs> <laughs> You got you got a great sense of humor, Mr. Capone. <laughs> yes, I do, bud. Unfortunately, Gino, who I'm leaving here to make sure you're done on time, has no sense of humor whatsoever. Yo, Gino! So that that and that's the end of the episode, which the we get a close up of Bud looking to the camera, uh, looking <laughs> literally half the height of this guy. Yes, uh, we so we don't end the cliffhanger there. No, ma'am. We'll be right back to wrap up this week's review. Be sure to join their Facebook group page for all the podcast news and updates. Be sure to subscribe to them on the Apple Podcast app and please leave a review telling them what you think of the show. To subscribe to their YouTube channel, just go to Channels and search up Married with Children Podcast. Join their Patreon and support your favorite podcast with a small monthly donation. You can email them at marriedwchildrenpodcast.com at gmail.com. Thanks for checking out this review. So, uh, Annabelle, how many banks are you going to hit up for approval for your film for this episode? (laughs) Uh, Well, again, I went back and forth a little bit because 
I think of this episode as I think of both episodes together, you know, both parts as one episode. And as a whole, I'm not that fond of them. But part one, at least so far, we'll see ne- how next week's discussion goes. But so far, I feel part one is better than part two. So if we're just focusing on part one, I would actually rate that a little bit higher. Because um, when you actually look at it and break it down, there's a lot of funny stuff here. Um, I think... The plot with Bud and Kelly, even though it's just getting going, um, it's not as... I wasn't going to say strong, but the B-plot is funnier. The plot with Al and Jefferson installing a satellite dish. I mean, already on paper, that sounds like a winner because we know what's going to happen. It's going to be cartoonish. They may have overdone it on the cartoonish aspect, but... um, I still laugh and it's still funny and you know they've called back to the classic moments and lines from episodes like High IQ before so I enjoy the episode I don't love it um Kelly though she does look cute um I don't really like Kelly when she's being bitchy um you won't see that in this episode you'll see that in in part two I think uh this Raphael guy does nothing for me so far um but all the cultural references again we're in season 10 so it does rely a lot on pop culture so all these references are all they're all funny um they're great um I'll just the idea of <laughs> Peg wanting a satellite dish but Al having to install it but then Peg you know she doesn't care um after how long it takes for Alan Jefferson and all the guys to install it um will they install it we'll tune in part two so for now there's a lot of little touches in there for me to give it a solid three and that's for part one Oh, thank you, Annabelle. Thank you for your, your analysis of um this. Now, Steve, how many banks are you hitting up to finance your film for this episode? Okay, um, for this first episode of the two-parter, I'll hit up for three and a half, three point five banks. Um, I agree with Annabelle. I think the first episode is stronger than the second. I I think mean, we'll probably um, expand on this when we do the second part of it, but um, I, I don't quite see how these two uh, plots gel together very well. Um, I see. I would have seen the um, the guys with the satellite dish. That could have made a whole episode in itself. I think the um, other part here with the um, the workout video could have worked as a, again a separate episode with another B plot, such as Alan Pegg next door shopping for underwear or something like something really small and trivial. In that could have made one episode. So we'll talk about more in the second one. But yeah, I find this first one probably funnier than the second one. It's not one of my favourites, um, though I do really enjoy the cartoon stuff. Um, that's what I said. If I if it was just the satellite dish stuff, I'd be rating it much higher. And as, but as we go into this second part, and I'll explain more. In the, in the second part about how I find the uh, the workout video part of it but um, there, there's some holes there, it didn't really give me many Benny la- Betty laughs, belly laughs apart from the guys falling off the roof so at this stage I'll give it a 3.5 with more to come in the second half 
Well, thank you, Steve. Thank you, thank you. Now, as for myself, okay, so this is actually one of my, one of my favourite episodes of season 10. Uh, so I was waving between three and a half and four banks for myself for this episode. Uh, I mean, obviously, as you as you both mentioned, the plots um, could have easily been their own episodes, but this is still one of my favourite episodes of season 10, mainly for the lunacy of the satellite dish. We'll get more of that later. Uh, and uh, I still like the whole um, Kelly, Raphael, Mafia plot too, don't get me wrong. Uh, I'll give this one three and a half banks simply because my favourite scenes of the satellite dish are in the second half. And, uh, I mean, don't get me wrong, it's still a solid episode. One of my favourites from season 10. Uh, yeah, so I, I still like the um, ma the, the, ma the Mafia jokes, how um, low bud goes for money. Uh, Yes, and uh, the f the fights the fights when they're filming the film. Uh, Raphael's room is a janitor's closet. Oh, but oh dearie, and even just still Ariel making appearance. Ariel's an uh, Ariel does it for me too pretty strongly. Uh, yeah, so it was tough between a three and a half and a four, but I'll go for three and a half. And I will say on a, a bit of a personal note, so. Uh, when the sad days come that my dad and my uncles, my dad's brothers, respectively passed away, I plan to watch episodes in their memory. I'm going to watch this one in my um, eldest uncle's memory as he works as a builder and could do a better job of doing a satellite edition, Alan Company. <laughs> Very good. So, uh, that's it for the Married to Children podcast for now for season um, 10, episode 14. But Team Australia will be back for season 10, episode 15. The conclusion of the Hood, the Bud, and the Kelly. So make sure you're back here next week for part two. Will the satellite dish be built? Will Bud make it allowed alive? Will Raphael and Kelly leave with um all their organs and uh, sanity intact? Will um anyone else fall off the roof? Will um will, mo will Moneyland be caught? Find out next week on the Marriott Children podcast down under. Same Bundy time, same Bundy channel. Make sure you're here for it.